Hey everyone, this is the Switch Focus Podcast. It's episode 97. I'm your host, Andy Corrigan. Uh, with me is Andrew Brown. Hello. Uh, um, this week we've got uh, some updates on Vampire, now that Andrew's played more of that. Uh, we're going to talk about New Super Lucky's Tale, A Hat in Time, which was uh, supposedly never coming to Switch, but ta-da! Uh, and we're going to talk about Pokemon Sword and Shield, which came out last week, but we wanted to delay the episode to give us some time to to get in there and test it. So, uh, yeah, let's get on with it. Okay, so in updates from the previous episode, Andrew, Vampire, you've played some more, and you want us to forget everything that you said in the Halloween episode? Yes, unfortunately. <laughs> um, I said some things in that episode that I thought were true, because I was pretty far into the game. And I thought, well, surely if I'm going to run into any problems, I would have by now. Uh, so I, I thought, okay, I can say these things, I can commit to these things, I think they'll apply to the entire game. And then I got to like the last couple hours of the game, and uh, <laughs> things didn't work out quite that well. As I described in our Halloween episode, it's a game mostly built around the communities. So if you go and you talk to people and you do all their side quests and you listen to all their conversations, then you can uncover all of their secrets. And the more secrets that you have, the more experience points they'll give you if you choose to feast on them because you do play as a vampire in this game. So it's supposed to be a risk-reward system where if you feast on them early in the game before you've learned all their secrets then you will be more powerful early on but you won't be as powerful as you could be later in the game for feasting on them or even you could avoid feasting on them entirely and go for the best ending which is what i really wanted to do i just wanted to be that super friendly neighborhood vampire who could kill everybody in his vicinity but chooses not to that was what i really wanted to do and it looked like i was going to be able to do that because the game at least in its first two thirds it's not really that difficult even on the hardest difficulty uh, if you play conservatively and play carefully it's not all that hard to uh, be any enemy you come across just by dodging and counterattacking. Then I got to a boss who uh, kind of introduces the last segment of the game, and he had a good 10-level advantage on me, in, even though I'd done like everything there was to do up to that point in the game in terms of side quests and exploration, but I was still significantly underleveled for this guy. And it wasn't even just a matter of playing conservatively or carefully, like, I attacked him, and he would counterattack and kill me in one hit, and there was nothing I could do about it. So very begrudgingly, I had to go off and go into one of the neighborhoods that I had visited previously and just basically eat everybody so I could power <laughs> myself up. I was not at all happy about it. It kind of ruined it because I'd spent the previous 20 hours playing this game very carefully trying to get to know all these people and you know, not, not eat them, even though I'm supposed to, because I'm a vampire, and even though <laughs> several of these characters are specifically built, so that way you, you don't feel bad about killing them, because, like, a couple of them are complete jerks, one of them is a serial killer, but still, I wanted to get through this whole game without killing anybody, but it just, I reached a wall where it just was not possible, and I was I was very uh, let down by that. Uh, it was my own fault for playing on the hardest difficulty. I need to quit doing that and just play on normal, like a normal person. But <laughs> And then there's the, the performance problems. This is a PS4 game, an Xbox One game that they got running on the Switch. It's very impressive that they did that. But there's a lot of buffering that they had to do to make it work, and especially late in the game where you're spending a lot of time running back and forth along the map. You're running forward through an area, then suddenly the game stops, and you have to sit there and watch it load until it picks up again. And the further the distance you're going, you're when you're just running through an area to the next area and not really stopping to interact with anything, you're catching up with that map buffer a lot faster. So you have to sit there and watch that loading thing happen more and more and more the deeper into the game you get, and it's not a great experience. So I think overall this was a pretty mediocre game that runs pretty badly on the switch i would recommend getting it on playstation 4 if you're still interested in it i don't think the switch is a particularly uh good way to play this game 
let me be the one to say that sounds like it sucks and <laughs> <laughs> and let's forget that ever happened and uh, move on to what we've been playing <laughs> it wasn't the best game i've ever played certainly <laughs> not one of the better games of this year either but i don't want to say it sucked <laughs> i just i should have made did, better choices I did for com- comedy purposes come on man <laughs> Well, their game sucks. Does it isn't funny? I don't know. <laughs> I, I am I am very I'm being very conscious of what developers have to go through because of a game we're going to talk about in a little bit and the things that I have to say about it. <laughs> uh, cool. Okay, so with that, let's move on to what we've been playing this last week. So let's start with uh, New Super Lucky's Tale, uh, which is uh, something of a a love letter to classic 3D platformers. Uh, from what I've seen, it's very much in the, the Mario style. I, I've been interested in it. I, I don't want to pay for it for Switch because I have Game Pass and it's on that. I could just yeah. play it there for mm-hmm. nothing. Yeah. So uh, how are you finding it? I really enjoyed it. This is a classic 3D platformer, like very, very classic, uh, where you play as a small fox named Lucky who is uh, a member of a clan of guardians who protect this book that let them uh, travel to all these different worlds and well wouldn't you know it one day this group of cats called the kitty litter comes in and steals the book and lucky is able to recover the book but uh, has to go and recover all of the pages that got torn out in the process of rescuing it so that's basically what you do is you go into each world uh, through this book and there are four pages to find in each world you get one for getting 300 coins in a level. You get another page for spelling lucky. There's a page hidden in every level. And then there's another page you get just for finishing the level. And it never aspires to be any more than that. Every level that you go to, you do these four goals. And you go on to the next world. And I enjoyed this game thoroughly. It's not particularly long. It's not particularly difficult. But it's very well made. And it's a great just throwback 3D platformer. I enjoyed it thoroughly and i recommend it if you can play it to do so whether on xbox one or on switch nice yeah that sounds really fun um it totally looked like a a rare style game from from what i've seen i think my wife was playing it for a bit and and had enjoyed it so yeah check that one out okay so let's talk about the big release uh pokemon sword and shield I feel just from seeing your stuff on social media and in the show notes, we're going to come on different sides of this this platform. So mm-hmm. uh, I was going to say I I felt like this game for me was terribly timed because I just got back into the swing of enjoying uh, Switcher Three, and I felt like <laughs> actual hatred that I had to take that out of the Switch and put Pokemon in. Uh, but since I've just um I've just got the uh, seventh badge uh and i have to say that i feel like it could be one of my favorite pokemon games uh that doesn't feature the um some qualifiers to that i did come into the series very late uh initially through black and white and x and y was my previous favorite uh i think i do think a lot of what's winning me over here is uh some of the quality of life features that have been added bit by bit over the years or just pulled directly from let's go so there's uh things like now you can actually change your pokemon party from anywhere unless you're in like a major story beat uh you can just do that in the menu and not have to go to a, a location in the game and use the pc to do it that that is hugely welcome uh the stuff that's carried over from uh let's go such as the you know the way the the Pokemon actually spawn in the wild. Uh, they they do sort of a best of both worlds approach, which we'll get into to fully very soon. Um, just before we get on, let's just take a moment to to mourn the loss of Dedenne, uh, the categorically best Pokemon, who for some reason was left out in the cold here, uh, replaced by the weird thing that gets more powerful when he's hungry. I forget his name. I haven't actually found one yet, sadly. I have no idea what you're talking about. Ah, <laughs> oh, there's a Pokemon. He's 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 a mouse type, and he turns. He's like one type, and then he gets hungry during a battle, oh, and then he turns yeah. into a dark type. I fought yeah. that one. Yeah, I had yeah. no idea what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> he he's the new fake today. Um, I would you know do a minute silence, but it's probably not good for for podcast. 
It's okay. I have my app set up to skip silences. So, <laughs> yeah, fair. Good point. Uh, so the setting in this one, uh, it's set in an alternate England, uh, which, as an English expat living in Australia, I am enjoying a whole a lot of. Uh, I'm finding the Englishness stuff really well done from the the slang and phrasing that they use, such as people telling others that things are pence uh, when they're not very good at it. Uh, from the uh, the red post boxes um, and you know heaps of other stuff, uh, including the way they uh, celebrate their national sport of Pokemon, a similar way to how you know the the English you know football is a big deal in England. They they've sort of tried to capture that and turn the Pokemon battles uh, into like a stadium sport, which is is really neat. Okay, well we'll just talk about the the differences. So the the catching and battling in this one so like let's go pokemon spawn in the overworld in the grass so you, you know what you're going in for before you trigger it there are random encounters so if you go into the grass uh, an exclamation point will rise up and if, if you run into it or it runs into you you'll get a randomized pokemon sometimes this can be something like really rare that doesn't spawn in that area very often or it can just be one of the the vanilla ones that you find uh, this for me is the single biggest improvement to pokemon in the last 10 years uh i don't know why but in the previous games the the random battles just sort of used to grind me down uh, especially when you're in an area trying to get like a certain certain pokemon and you just kept getting this the same ones again in the random battles uh you skipped let's go didn't you um what we what, what did you think of this sort of change up in this one uh, when I was trying to capture my complete team of EVs in Route 4, it was <laughs> kind of nice that I could just avoid combat <laughs> until <laughs> one came up, and then I could run up and fight it. Um, honestly, this is a change that's been needed for so long that I'm not sure I really appreciate it as much as I should. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm less like, this is nice, and more like, finally... Yeah, I, I sort of, I, I feel like it adds uh, more gravitas to the world as well. Like, everything feels more natural rather than just, you know, running into the areas where only Pokemon spawn. Um, I love that some are super aggressive and will charge you down, <laughs> given the chance. Uh, that's fun trying to avoid. Some of them will just stop short and do a little cute animation, which I adore. Yamper, particularly. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think that that's one of the, the biggest improvements. Uh, and yeah, I love that a lot. Um, so structure-wise, a lot of people were hoping that this next-gen Pokemon would be the, the Breath of the Wild of the Pokemon series. Um, it's fair to say it's not that. Uh, structurally, it's very similar to the previous games. Uh, for me, this is fine. Um, it's a tried and, and tested formula. People tend to know what they're, they're getting into when they buy a Pokemon game. I I feel like that's a conscious decision rather than maybe a lack of ambition that I, I I feel like you've said that you feel like it's not an ambitious game in that respect. It's not. This is a 3DS game on Switch. Yeah. The structure's the same, but I, I, like, I'm like i fine with that. So, I mean, like, with Dragon Quest, for example, you liked that because it was the same Dragon Quest that you've played before. Yeah. Is it, just like a, is it just like a frequency thing for you? Like, there's a lot more Pokemon games that follow this? Whereas that that becomes more of a bad thing here, or I just I don't think Dragon well Dragon Quest has still evolved. Like you play Dragon mm-hmm. Quest, even though the, the the fights are the same, and I don't have a problem with the fights in Pokemon still being what they've mm-hmm. always been. But mm-hmm. the world in Dragon Quest Eleven felt different from the world in Dragon Quest Eight, which felt different from the world in Dragon Quest Five, mm-hmm. on and on and on and on. Yeah, Pokemon has been pretty much the same since the first generation back in 1995 and like even the map in this game is it's not at all interesting uh there's this little tail route at the very bottom of the map where you start out and then you go through that for part of the story and then you get kicked into the wild area which we'll talk about the wild area in a minute but you run Mm -hmm. through the wild area and then there's like this literal literal circle that's the second area you go to and that's like roots three four and five and then you go back to the wild area you go to the far north of the map where there's another loop Mm -hmm. this is the entire game map this is a even by pokemon standards like gen one has a more interesting map than this game does i'm really disappointed with this game world 
Hmm. No, I I didn't feel that. I I, I think it's a stronger game world than uh, Sun and Moon. Um, probably on par with X and Y for me. Uh, I very, <laughs> I don't have very good memories of those games, to be honest. <laughs> I, because I, uh, I came in with it to it so late. When I do go try go back to one of the older ones, like I finished uh, Pokemon Yellow last year, and that was just. Uh, an unending slog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does feel that way now. So, so, so I do like. I think I'm where I come from is like I, I really appreciate how how succinct it is. Um, saying that when we talk about the wild area, we'll we'll talk about how much time I've spent in it. The one thing I did find really pleasing here, though, is that like before I even got to the first gym, I I arrived there with more of a party that I wanted to use rather than one I had to use just because it was made up of you know like the few pokemon it wanted to give me before the first gym yeah i was able to really find a really varied party and there was only one or two where i was like cool i'm gonna swap that out as soon as something better comes along um that i really appreciated um and my party's been in a constant state of flux ever since because i just i I get i'm like a a child i get something and then i see something else and i'm like no i want that (laughs) and i run and get it well, I did something that I've always wanted to do in a Pokemon game, and I think this is the first one where it's really been, you know, not something you really had to work to do. I just had to just take the time to do it, but I have a complete EV team going mm-hmm. right now, and I've always wanted to do that in a Pokemon game, especially <laughs> since they added enough evolutions for you to be able to do that. I think there's eight now, so I've got yep. six and leftovers. Uh, oh, nice. So I, I did enjoy getting that put together, even if getting the stones together was kind of a pain in the butt. Yeah, um, one of the new features they've they've added it's kind of, kind of similar to an old thing where so in the old games you used to be able to drop off some of your Pokemon at a, a like a nursery and they would earn some levels while you were off doing your thing. Mm-hmm. Um, here you can actually send them off on jobs. Uh, for me, for people who have played it, it sort of reminded me a little bit of uh, the the stuff you do in uh, Peace Walker where you you'd send all these troops you'd acquired out on missions and they'd come back with stuff for you here yeah. they can get it's a facebook amounts. game yeah yeah I, I i i like that i can actually have them doing stuff while my main party is with me doing the actual story stuff um just makes it a bit more inter- interactive what i don't like is the glacial speed at which you have to go through the the animations <laughs> for that so you you send you send them off on a mission you have to watch an animation of them of him sending them off uh and then you have to wait a, an actual day and you come back in, you recall them, and then you have to watch another animation that's just as long <laughs> to watch them come in. It just makes like sending them on the jobs and getting them back a bit of a chore, especially because the the more you play, a whole heap more jobs come up, uh, and it, it was just like, uh, come on. I wish. I I think that's probably a complaint I still have about the game generally is that I like all the menu stuff. I just wish it was quicker. Like the evolution thing, I can't skip the dialogue, even though I've got it set to fast dialogue, and I have to wait for the line to finish before I can press the button to move to the next one. Uh, that that that's where I find find the game frustrating still. Uh, okay, so the wild area. This was one of the the big selling points. Uh, I know some people have had some. Don't think it's that important. Uh, I've come to really love it. So. When I started it, I had played maybe 20 hours, uh, hadn't got to the first gym, and I was just running around the the wild area, uh, just anything catching my eye, I was going to, I was battling anything that was more powerful than me, which is just a great way to level up your party really quickly, but that's a whole different issue in itself. Uh, I was catching things left, right, and center. Um, and I was nearly level 30 before I did the first gym. We've discussed a lot like uh, the way we play games. I'm, I'm usually just a, a you know, plow through one and done type of guy. I am finding the wild area like immensely compulsive. Like as soon as there's a different Pokemon that appears, I have to try catch it. Regard, you know, w- whether I think it's more powerful than me or not. And I, I can't, you know, whether that'll stop me from catching it. Um, I should add here that um, there are Pokemon that spawn in the wild area that are more powerful than you, and you can't catch them until you have like the relevant gym badge, uh, which then opens up, you know, the next level 
set of levels for Pokemon to catch. I don't know why. I just I just love spending time in this. It's definitely, like I said at the top, it's definitely not that Breath of the Wild section that people were hoping for. I do feel like it could be a test before a more open-ended Pokemon game. Maybe they're gauging to see how people take to it. Um, but yeah, the, the gating is a bit annoying, like preventing you from catching those high-level Pokemon, because in the previous games they would just like make the more powerful Pokemon more unlikely to obey you in combat, and I felt like that was enough. Um, but I did like the, the fat XP bonuses from this. Uh, now, you had a different experience when you first got into the wild area? I couldn't tell what was going to be too high a level for me and or not so i just i didn't fight anything in the wild area uh i i ran around it and got all the collectibles i could and then i went off to the second little batch of routes and i ran through those did the gyms in there and then i got sent back to the wild area and once again i ran through it got the collectibles didn't fight many things uh went up to the north end of the map which is where the last batch of gyms are at and like yeah that that's kind of it uh i my inability to tell what was going to be worth my time discouraged me from fighting anything and I, i've since learned that things kind of scale with you so you're you're always kind of going to be the right area unless it's one of the big monsters who actually walk around between the fields of grass those are the ones you actually mm-hmm. need to watch out for i've since learned these things but as for the wild area itself it, it's not it's just a big open area. There's not really anything to explore. There's not really anything to discover. There are collectibles there, like I said, but they're not really hidden. You just have to walk to them and get them. And yeah, I, I mean, I guess, I guess what it does is every every day or every few hours the weather changes in yeah. different areas, and mm-hmm. that affects the different Pokemon that come in. Um, which is uh, another reason why I keep going back to it in between every. Uh, gym badge I earn, I go back and see what I can now catch, or you know what what's appearing in in, the, in that moment. Just as a quick aside here, I must be—I don't know if I'm the only person that does this because everyone seems to act with surprise. That I I rarely try and attack wild Pokemon when I'm trying to catch them. I just jump in and just throw balls, and a lot of the time it just works. What? Yeah, I I very rarely have to whittle a Pokemon down. Um, even with just like the normal balls. Uh, it gets more difficult the higher they they get, but like if I'm just bullheaded enough, eventually they'll catch because it is just a dice roll. Yeah, so from from that perspective, like catching that catching them is really easy. Uh, even easier if you get the quick balls, which just uh, just a huge time saver in that regard. If you can't be bothered battling, yeah, I rarely whittle their health down unless they they give me you know a lot of problems. I I I do like a I don't even attack for the first couple of rounds in this uh they they give me trouble uh, and i've got a whole heap of like I've, i think i'm over well over the 150 mark now of different ones i've caught most of them without even laying a finger on them uh, you and i play that. this game very differently and yeah i do whittle them down and i think things are annoying as heck to catch in this game but i'm still yeah i'm still using pokeballs and great balls which is probably the difference yeah i do use i do use norm like the normal balls to begin with like uh so i get in i throw the ball i see whether it tries because sometimes they'll just like you know come out straight away i'll do it a couple of rounds and then i'll start whittling them down if if there's any any more troubles but i always get them eventually so how are you not bankrupt where are you getting money fighting the trainers i i honestly i just go there buy a a big batch of balls all my money's going on on pokeballs uh and sometimes some healing items but yeah, so but that that that's the one aspect I'm I'm really enjoying. Of course, you get uh, XP for catches as well. Uh, now there are also the dens and raids. I don't think they're called raids in this, but I'm going to call them raids anyway because that's what they are. Uh, so you'll the dens are like these glowing red rocks around the wild area. You click on them. Uh, if there's no enemy hidden within, you will get uh, what they call watts, which is a, a separate type of currency uh, and if it's overflowing with what's then there'll be an enemy inside which you can fight uh, now these all start off super easy like i don't think the the raid pokemon even did much damage and in, in the first couple i did 
Uh, but the, as you go through, you'll, there are more difficult ones, and I think you can throw down uh, wishing stars down into them to to spawn like a more powerful Pokemon. Uh, you can do these alone. It brings in like AI companions, uh, which are dumb, but they're fine for the lower level, lower level ones. But I th- I think like the five star ones, you do actually need human intelligence to help you with that. Uh, I'm finding these a really good way to get uh, like supplies and items and stuff. So there's uh, like the the XP candies. You can get the rare candy, which sends you Pokemon up pokemon up a whole level or there are uh just like ones that give you small boosts um they uh i'm loving doing these for that because it just lets me get a like a weak pokemon and just quickly level them up i got a a low level noibat up to like level 40 in the space of two minutes just from all the stuff i done from doing the raids uh have you done many of these have you explored that at all I did one in the first den I came up to when I first got into the wild area. It was over in two turns, and I haven't done one mm-hmm. since because yeah. I, just, I didn't see what the point was until I was already <laughs> at the end of the game. Like I do think yep. the wild area is certainly a lot more interesting a place to be in than what your usual option is at the end of a Pokemon game if you want to capture things or grind up a new team which is usually the cave before the Elite Four. It's certainly far more interesting than that. And if this were a game that I would continue to play after I've beaten the Elite Four, I would I would be a lot more enthusiastic about the wild area. But as it is right now, is it's just it's just mm-hmm. space, basically. <laughs> space for me to run through that I did not care about. I, I can actually see them using this for events as well. Like, uh, you know, instead of just doing the... Uh... The mystery gifts where they they send out Pokemon periodically for you to get from the internet or from codes or whatever they could they could put it in raids in here like Pokemon Go style. Uh, I think that would be a, a cool thing to do, particularly like if you're talking seasonal things. So like Halloween, they could put a bunch of uh, you know ghost types in, or Christmas they could get Delibird in in this sort of thing. I, I think that would be really neat to keep people playing long term. The other thing that surprised me was that the wild area is actually a shared multiplayer space. So I was uh, running outside of that uh, connecting city, and I bumped into my wife in the entrance. And we ran around in confusion for a bit, and then went our separate ways as we were in different parts of the story at that point. Um, the other thing you can do is camping. Uh, I've not done a lot of this at all. I haven't even cooked one of the curries yet, nor explored what the curry decks has to offer i should probably get on that i keep meaning to and then i get distracted by something that spawned and i have to go try and catch it or fight it um but i have seen some amazing gifts on twitter uh, of pokemon interacting with each other with each other in the camps uh, and not always in the most friendly way uh i've i've seen uh the uh, cinderace kicking a togepi <laughs> uh into the camera that was hilarious uh so might be worth checking out for that sort of thing it's just a time waster really from from what i've seen uh have you done any of the curry stuff does uh, do you get any benefits from doing that like you know temporary boosts or anything like that i think you do again i did it once when i first got to the wild area and i just haven't done it since because i'm not spending much time in the wild area and you you also have to spend berries on it too and berries are very Mm -hmm. much a thing where i've trained myself so i can't use them might need them later so Mm -hmm. i'm just i haven't bothered doing it but you know i i've uh, ended every pokemon game i've ever played with just mountains of unused berries and mm -hmm. items yeah (laughs) me too but i can't Um, use them i might need them later yeah that's exactly (laughs) it Uh, and every new Pokemon game comes along. It's got a new fight gimmick. So in X and Y, there was uh, Mega Evolutions and then whatever the hell, Sun and Moon had Z moves. That was it. I'll say this for the Z moves. I at least used them. Yeah. <laughs> Unlike but the I Mega used, Evolutions. I used Mega Evolutions quite a bit. I but, never um, used the Mega Evolutions. <laughs> uh, here you have... I, it's kind of just mega evolutions, really, but it's Dynamaxing, and you can in certain areas, mainly in gym battles, uh, you can make your Pokemon massive. Uh, just gonna put this out front. I think it's a dumb gimmick. 
Yeah. Uh, even even in the context of Pokemon's uh, every iteration's dumb gimmick, but I do enjoy the visual element of this. Uh, the problem is because of my time spent just running around the wild area, I have been so overpowered that I've rarely used it because I needed to, and just because I felt that the game kind of expected it of me, and I felt I had to pity it <laughs> and do it. Yeah, um, like it's the same thing in every gym battle you get to your your opponent on their last Pokemon will Dynamax it, and you basically mm-hmm. have to Dynamax in response. So you're already taking this new system that already isn't very impressive or groundbreaking and it's using it in a completely rote way the Mm -hmm. same way in every fight you come to it is not interesting at all at all yeah i mean like it's it's hard to be too frustrated about it because all three of us even Ginny, was kind of on board with it for with us at one point dynamaxing mm-hmm. just didn't look terribly interesting now i'm playing it like yeah it's not terribly interesting yeah it's, Next. it's not as it's not as bad as i thought it might be but it's not terribly interesting either and i actually think that doing it takes some of the sting out of my attacks yeah because uh, it changes your moves yeah and I've I've got because because I'm just so over leveled now I'm just that nothing's a challenge even in my normal form, um, so yeah uh, that that about covers everything that's in it. So uh, for me, uh, I agree with you that it is a safe entry, um, for the mainline games. I agree that it's unambitious, but I I really enjoy this rhythm of pokemon um like when i when i played uh black and white like i enjoyed it but some elements of it were very chore like because they didn't do the xp share or anything like that whereas with this one like everything just feels like it's made to make the game friendlier and i just like that in conjunction with the 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 pokemon rhythm um the thing I'm finding as well, like I, th- I'm coming up to like, I've just hit over forty hours, uh, with two gym badges to go. I've done that in the last week. Like it's just made time melt away. Equally, like, and that's just doing side stuff that you know I wouldn't really have to do if I just wanted to play through for the story. Like I'm doing this stuff because I feel compelled to or because I want to. Uh, and that's took me by surprise. My my intention going in was just to knock through the story as quickly as possible, like stick with the first six Pokemon I found, or you know at least build a party with a, a different range of abilities just to cover everything. And that's not what's happened. Um, I actually think I want to complete the Pokedex in this one, which would be a first time ever. Although let's go, notwithstanding, because that that took everything down to you know 151 Pokemon. So that was that was. A lot simpler. I actually think I want to try it. I think I want to do the Pokedex. Sorry, that sounded like me just uh, soundboarding for therapy, but uh. <laughs> <laughs> you need yeah. help. Yeah. Uh, so I, I I agree with your criticisms, but I don't. I didn't feel like they were problems for me, and I've enjoyed this a lot more than I thought I was going to. And I, I definitely putting it up there as as one of my favorites, uh, if not the. I want to see how that. Uh, final part plays out but yeah uh, even losing Dedenne couldn't dampen my spirits for this one <laughs> and I've been bored with Pokemon since Diamond and Pearl like <laughs> just I didn't play black and white at all so when X and Y came out that kind of felt fresh to me you know finally seeing a full 3D Pokemon game that kept me engaged mm-hmm. with X and Y pretty well but when Sun and Moon came out I played about half of it then i put it away for several months and then i played the other half later and i played this the first weekend it was out just so i could play it but this is the same pokemon game it's always been and i know that there's a kind of uh murky gray area the switch is in is it as a console is it a handheld but I look at it as a console, so I was expecting more than what it is, rather than just what they've been doing with Pokemon since 
it first started getting next-gen sequels, like the Game Boy Advance games, Ruby Sapphire, were the Gen 1 games with better graphics, then the DS mm -hmm. games were the Gen 1 games with better graphics, the 3DS games were Gen 1 games with better graphics. I mean, there's certainly a technical skill and use of the console power that an area like the wild area wouldn't be possible on 3ds but it's still not an interesting area to be in it's just a big open space that you can catch pokemon in there's nothing to explore there there's not a whole lot to do there other than catch pokemon i just i expect more that, that's my main feelings about this uh and i'm i'm not on board with the game freak lied people because well, first of all, screw them. They're not. They're yeah. not serious. Let, uh, let, 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 let's get into that. So, um, just I think the one thing I can say we can both agree on is if you're put off by trying this game because of all the pre-release negativity, don't those people don't know what they're talking about. They uh, weren't even going to play the game to begin with. They're just they're either trolling or they're they're pushing their own issues. Which you can contact me on Twitter if you want to know more about that because I'm not going to talk about it on our podcast. Yeah, and uh, there, there is also the uh, element where they're, they were all just working themselves up into a frenzy over just, like, nothing. So, mm -hmm. okay, so... I think graphically this game looks great, which was their main yeah. thing that they were getting on about. Yeah, same. It looks gorgeous. Um, the, the wild area doesn't look quite as nice as the more focused areas. That's true. Um, it's not a big deal. Uh, the... The thing about the animations being reused, you know, like developers do that all, all the time. I don't care. It's not a thing I can, I can care about. But it was like you'd see like clips just taken out of context. So like, you know, NPC animations paused when you climbed a ladder as it trans transitioned to a different area. Whoop de doo. Uh, a lot of the houses looked the same. You know, this this is nothing new. Well, the houses they're you can also... even go into. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, there was stuff where they were complaining about music not triggering in a battle, and that was a story battle where the music came in later for, for dramatic effect. And like when I played it, I was like, oh, okay, this is what they're working themselves up about. It was, uh, it was just, yeah, everyone was just working themselves up, and then they got more and more people who were just, you know, interested in, in being part of the angry mob were joining in because people enjoy that on the internet for some reason uh and yeah just taking leak clips out of context to ridiculous proportions um and i did love how they were all there just waiting for the reviews to drop so they could all bask in how awful the game was <laughs> and most of them were positive so i, I took some pleasure out of that i must admit yeah um, i mean from the start like We've got receipts. All our episodes are still up. You can go back and listen to them. From the beginning of the year when trailers started coming out for this game, I thought this game looked really safe. But now I've played mm -hmm. it. And it's like, yeah, this looks pretty much like the game they've been showing to us all year. I mm -hmm. I was disappointed in the trailers, and now I've played the game. I'm disappointed with the game. I'm, I'm not mad. I'm just like, yeah, I wish Pokemon could be more than this in 2019 with the hardware it's on now, but it's not. And... I eagerly await the release of a Pokemon game that really takes advantage of the hardware it's on cuz this game doesn't uh <laughs> this is it's a it's the same game it's always been and I I'm just ready for more. I've been bored with this game since I've been bored with not this game. I've been bored with Pokemon since Diamond Pearl. That's 10 plus years ago now that was even released. So I I'm just ready for Pokemon to be something something else yeah i feel like they're also in that position where they're damned if they do and damned if they don't yeah because pokemon I... has a whole competitive scene but think about mm -hmm. it do you ever hear about pokemon being talked about as an esport i never know so like i i think people would be mad yeah but at the same time i think that its presence as a competitive game has been overstated um, now, I haven't looked into any of the stuff, but apparently they have made it a lot easier to make a competitive team here, and you can actually make any per Pokemon like perfect. Like You can capture them, and yeah, you, they can have any, any nature, any You can stats, change their can natures now with an item, which has always been... Mm -hmm. Since they added in the Super Trainer, which lets you 
set their EV values before you start leveling them up, uh, mm-hmm. which uh, <laughs> that, that's a discussion we could talk about for 40 minutes talking about how Pokemon leveling works, but... No. This is stuff I've never engaged with as well, so... Uh, well, yeah. basically, uh, your EV levels were every time you're pokemon defeats a certain monster then they would gain certain ev values from those specific monsters that they kill that would determine how many points a pokemon gets when they level up so like if you want a high defense you've got to take your low level pokemon and you've got to go and fight pokemon that give good ev defense values now in x and y they actually added the super trainer so you don't have to do that anymore you can just do that super trainer mini game to get the ev values you want it make things a lot more transparent about how things work and it made it so that way all you really had to do to get the team you wanted was to breed out the Pokemon with natures you want. Now in this game, you can change your Pokemon's natures by giving them certain items. So it's a lot easier and a lot more streamlined and a lot more user-friendly uh, to get the very specific team that you want. And that's that's Pokemon Training 101. Uh, <laughs> if you want to know more, there are many guides online. Go to smogon.com com smogon.net whatever it is they've got guides up the wazoo there that can tell you about all this stuff (laughs) but it's not worth learning until you're already at the end of the game because you're going to have to start over from the beginning with your team anyway if you want to do this but if you want a competitive team this is the stuff you have to do okay doubling back to where i was going with that is if you're going to make such a massive like structural change to a game then i think it has it definitely has to bang and you have to be confident that it's going to bang so uh my example there would be legend of zelda it had its comfortable rhythm for ages and they didn't change it up until they were certain they were going to deliver which was breath of the wild and you know not knocked one of the the best games of all time out of the park with that one um i just i think that's where they're going to have to be with this because if if they release anything that's drastically different and it's not one of the best games ever made i th- I don't think they'll recover from that. So there's probably that safety is probably uh, an element of it, and that's where I think the wild area is kind of the like, you know, experimentation ground and see how people take to it. Um, and I th- I think that's an area where they can add stuff in through DLC later, or or maybe when they do one of those third edition things later down the line. Yeah, they always do do that. I've never actually played yeah. one of those. So. Nah, me neither. Um. So yeah. So that's uh. That's pokemon two views i love it uh andrew's lukewarm um eh. but uh <laughs> I, th- I think most people would enjoy it even if you're just gonna plow through the story which is entirely possible uh you don't have to spend the time i've spent doing the things i've been doing okay so uh, let's move on to the the final game of the week which is a hat in time uh, is this another 3D platformer? It is another 3D platformer. You play as this little space traveler named Hat Girl, who is a girl with a top hat. And <laughs> one day her spaceship, which has a glass door on it, which is hilarious, um, gets attacked by literally, they're called like mafia guys. They're people who live on a planet that's themed after the mafia <laughs> sneaks onto her spaceship and steals all of her power sources, which are these little hourglasses called timepieces. So you have to go out onto the different worlds in the, in this galaxy that she's traveling through, recover her timepieces so she can continue on her journey home. And this is a really dynamic game. Unlike super lucky's tale, which is where you do the same four goals in every world that you come to. This game gives you something new to do in Every world that you visit, but and uh, every timepiece that you do will give you something new to do as well. Like one level set in a movie studio has a mission where you have to solve a murder mystery on a train. And then there's another level where you have to sneak through the studio at night without getting caught by anybody. Uh, it's just really varied missions, but as a result, it never really comes together and feels like a cohesive game because I never knew what I was going to be doing in the next mission. And, you know, it it was all kind of hit or miss on whether I was even enjoying it. Whereas in Super Lucky's Tale, like I knew what I was doing in every level. I knew I was going to enjoy it. So I was actually looking forward to playing the next thing. And so there were a few things in A Hat in Time that I really did enjoy. There were some other things I was mostly indifferent towards. And 
it doesn't run great on Switch. It's got really long loading times, and it's got a lot of low-resolution textures, especially the loading screens. I don't know if loading screens count as textures, but you can see how low-resolution the images are on these <laughs> loading screens. So it, wow. it, it's not the best port, and I don't think it's the best 3D platformer either. Uh, but it's out there if you want to play it. I, I <laughs> definitely recommend New Super Lucky's Tale over this one. Yeah, I think there's a, a lot to be said for just like taking a single point and doing it really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, rather than trying to cram a million things in into the the same experience. Yeah, so out of that too, I mean, I've only really got an interest in playing Lucky's Tale out of those anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> Okay, Andrew, what are you playing in the next week? I've got Risk of Rain and Risk of Rain 2, which are uh, online multiplayer shooters, kind of kind of like roguelikes. They have roguelike like collection systems, but they're not roguelikes, and I, I hate using that word because it doesn't apply as often as people think it does. Uh, mm-hmm. But then Thanksgiving is next weekend, too, so uh, I'll be going back to Switcher 3 for a little while, and I'm just doing more catch-up on stuff. We're getting to the, the catch-up part of the year now. Yeah, I think like uh, Pokemon is the last new thing that I'm going to buy and play on Switch for the rest of the year, and I'm just going to be playing catch-up on things. I'm missing the Switcher a whole lot. Uh, I'm plugging <laughs> away at Nino Kuni on the Switch Lite on, you know, like in, in spells when I'm at work and stuff. Yeah. So I'm just, yeah, I'm just going to play catch-up. I do keep buying indie games. Uh, I bought Cat Quest 2, not going to get out to to that for a while <laughs> i bought up a game i bought a turn-based strategy game called chroma squad which is like a power ranger style turn-based strategy game i'm not getting into that for a while <laughs> there's still some stuff coming out in december too like Neverwinter nights is out in december block yep. is a detective game like narrative game where you play as a giant black cat that looks oh yeah that looks interesting yeah that looks like that might be cool but i'm gonna wait to see how well it runs on switch before i get it uh yeah there's still some stuff out but we are definitely past the temple releases of the year yeah we're, and uh yeah so we've probably got like three episodes left as well so we'll we'll, we'll do some catch-up uh apps on on things we've left by the wayside and and then we'll, we'll probably hit episode 100 on our uh, end of year show which would be nice timing uh yeah so that's it Okay, thanks for listening to this episode of the Switch Focus podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us to get noticed. You can also subscribe on Stitcher, TuneIn, and other podcast services. Be sure to join our Discord server to interact with the lively Switch Focus community. Follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and at switchfocuspodcast.com for updates, news, and other content. Links are in the show notes. If you want to support the show, you can buy us a coffee. The details for that are on our website. Huge thanks in advance. Uh, The episode was edited by me, Andy Corrigan, and uh, you can follow me and the other hosts individually on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Flame Roast Toast. Andrew is at Play Critically. He also streams at twitch.tv forward slash playcritically. And Ginny is at Ginny Woes. Also, give our regular editor, Craigie Craig, a follow. Uh, he's at Craigie Craig. And uh, his music career can be followed at Wimbles at Dawn. <laughs> <laughs>